Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. I am your host, Derek, and this is going to be a the beginning of a new segment on the show that I am tentatively calling Pod Origins, or maybe Origins of Pod, or I'll work on it. But anyway, what this is going to be is um, maybe once a month or something like that, I am going to interview a, another podcast to find out how they started their podcast, um, how they got together, where the idea came from, everything like that. And I am starting this with a podcast local to me. Um, they're out of Cambridge. Uh, the podcast is called Ivy League Murders. And uh, I spoke to the hosts of the show, uh, Sarah and Laura. And uh, found out all about their show. So, without further ado, here we go. Alright, so, on the podcast this evening, I have Sarah Alcorn and Laura McDonald, uh, who are the hosts of the new podcast, Ivy League Murders. Um, did I say I said that right, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, good. So, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your podcast is all about? All righty. Uh, so, our podcast basically uh, takes place center around the Ivy League, meaning alumni from the Ivy or happen you know, at the Ivy League, uh, and examine uh, you know the murders and the cases that that happen um, related to the Ivy. And uh, basically, our our interest is Laura. That came up with the, the concept, uh, our interest to or um, especially given, you know, in the light of the, the scandals where people have been sort of, uh, you know, really doing anything and rigging anything to get their kids in, mm-hmm. uh, to um, you know, looking at cases that, that go back, uh, that center around academia. And part of our interest, too, I think, is that are looking at cases from the Perspective of you know that academic intelligence doesn't necessarily you know emotional intelligence right, right? and you know sort of why you know as we say in our trailer have it all how does how does fall apart to the point where you make you know the ultimate mistake of murder so yeah well that's well put um, and we were surprised actually you know when we really started to look into it that about you know how many cases there actually are really yes and i think we should probably add that sarah and i are from cambridge so we really grew up immersed in harvard and the ivy league i think growing up in cambridge most of us have you know sarah's father went to harvard great i I come i come from i kind of a legacy harvard on my on my side i mean my great 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 grandfather went my Great, great grandfather, you know, yeah. down the line, basically. So, and I also, I too went to Harvard as well. So, um, and uh, highly doubt my daughter's going to go to Harvard, but <laughs> <laughs> the way things are going. Yeah. But, no, I did not go to Harvard. He went to the Harvard of the South. Yeah. So, <laughs> University yeah. of Miami. Yeah. But, well, I think I, I've been to Harvard Square. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's really where Sarah and I grew up and walked through there every day, twice a day to go to high school. Oh, wow. And I think 
when you grow up in that and kind of immersed in that myth, it's something that you sometimes evaluate. And we've seen some pretty big cases, especially locally, of you know, very prominent cases where people with, as Sarah said, seemingly everything and, you know, genius, genius uh, IQs just make horrible mistakes and, and you know, and, and kill people. And it often is a lot and a lack of emotional control. We found different things in our cases. You know, we found psychopaths. We found people with impulse control. I mean, it's it's pretty fascinating. Well, it, it's not um, it's not unheard of to have really highly intelligent people have emotional problems or, or lack of empathy or things like that. That's true. No, you're absolutely right. It's, um, you know, I think those sort of the paradigm of, of murder in particular is that it's out of, it grows out of a sort of, you know, bad childhood or, uh, you know, lacking, you know, uh, parental guidance or, you know, any number of different things. So if, um, you know, barring that, and in, in some cases, those things do exist for the, some of the subjects that we're looking at, but uh, the, um, you know, we, we, we also found that, you know, this, both Laura and I are, you know, super crime heads. And I have to say mm-hmm. that when part of how we connected was, um, you know, I'm, I'm a complete crime geek, as I, as I wrote to you, and I, I, you know, it's very, very rare for me to find somebody who is obsessed with, as obsessed with crime as I am. Right. And and Laura is like makes me pushes you know makes me completely pushes me aside in that in that way she is beyond you know <laughs> I think we're we, yeah we we match each other in our interest level yes was, but but so 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 we met and we both had this sort of Cambridge connection that yeah. we we both went to Cambridge Ridge and Latin as you know high school we knew all this know all the same. Right. But we started talking crime and literally, I think her, your husband was like, basically had to tell me to leave. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> you know, so it, it's just, it, and in any case, it's, uh, that's, you know, how, how we've connected over this. And, uh, and I, I've made a career out of it. As you know, I'm a private investigator. I have been since 1999. And, um, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I just I feel very privileged to have a job in which I'm very interested in after 21 years. That, do, and that does sound like an interesting job. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it's it's just it's very fascinating to me. You know, I mean, I guess I even though I grew up in Cambridge, I too can feed into the stereotypes of Harvard. You know, even though my my mother retired from Harvard, uh, you know, when I met Sarah, I because I'm very also very fashion obsessed. You know, she was just this an opposite of any stereotype of any Harvard person I had ever had. <laughs> or Cambridge. Oh, well, I would actually say less less Harvard, more I might more my stereotypes about Cambridge. <laughs> Since you are a New England podcaster, I have my own my own uh yeah my own prejudices against uh, against Cambridge where we're from. But <laughs> growing up immersed in you know Harvard and MIT, it's it's really hard not to you know some type of interest in you know what's un- what's the underbelly of this myth right. you know i grew up 
being my mother used to make me go to lectures at Harvard in high school, you know, and it's all presented to you as if you can achieve this, then every then your life will be perfect. Every and you'll meet perfect people and you'll meet a perfect spouse and everything is gonna I mean that's kind of it's it's kind of like the reward for 18 years of, of extremely hard work. And now I see as a parent of a my daughter just got into college, you know, I see the, the parents that that push to achieve that as if it's going to, you know, give you some type of shell against the realities of the world. And it doesn't. Right. As we see, I mean, we have several, I mean, so many of our cases are doctors. <laughs> That's true. Really? Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. number of people. Do you know an interesting fact about that, that I was kind of thinking about last night is um, psychopaths have a much higher disgust threshold than normal than non-psychopaths. So what grosses out, you know, when they've done studies with people with like, you know, psychopathy and non-psychopaths, what would gross out you and I would not gross out a psychopath. And they don't really know why they, and one, you know, reason they think is because there's no empathy. So if you don't feel bad for somebody, you, it's all based on logic. Right. You see why I like hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. That that makes a lot of sense though. And and so I was wondering kind of, you know, and and the lack of empathy almost makes you perfect to be a doctor, but it almost makes mm-hmm. you very effective. Most psychopaths don't murder. Right. And I, and yeah. What we're examining actually in quite a few of these cases too is this sort of dichotomy within these doctors of the, the ability or the desire to heal and the desire to kill. And it, it is it's an interesting phenomenon. We want to be careful and sensitive too, because you know, right now, obviously, the, the you know, first uh, first responders and the nurses and the doctors are the, you know, they are the heroes anyway. Uh, right. But they are also, you know, like, you know, we don't want to make any kind of blanket statements, but we are we are finding this in cases that we're, we're looking right. at, you know, and, it, you know, it's, um, you know, maybe an anomaly, but we, uh, you know, in any case, we want to make it clear that we're not. Of course, right. Yeah, yeah um, especially now when when they need absolutely. all, right, when all the really, support we can give right. them. Absolutely. And what I'm saying about, you know, the psychopathy, I mean, most can be a very functional site. I mean, I hate to say a psychopath and never harm anybody. Right. <laughs> you just lack empathy. That can make you a very effective doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not this is no knock against against doctors. I think another phenomenon we see too is that a lot of our you know, in a lot of our cases, in the, our, our, these people are, they have always their entire lives been the best of the best. Right. Never been told no. Right. The best and the brightest. And when they're, you know, we have a case where somebody was, you know, wasn't given tenure and they, and she shot up the, uh, you know, the oh. faculty, the faculty, oh, wow. yeah. you know, a Harvard graduate and yeah. Northeastern graduate. <laughs> but I think sometimes I can go against. Yeah. Some of our subjects where you think yes. if, you, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, then it seems to me that some of them really perpetrate these utterly ridiculous crimes. Oh, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, expect people to buy them. And they're, you know, clearly not good at crime crafting, you know, or whatever. Well, you, know, they, uh, you know, that's they, also the narcissistic personality where, you know, they really just think they're smarter than everyone. And that the, and they are mm-hmm. a lot of them always from a lot of them. That's actually reality. 
they've always been smarter than everyone. And what we find is that they're not smarter than the cops. And that's mm. a big shock for a lot of these, right? These, uh, these blue collar cops, are, yeah, you know, come in <laughs> solving and, these murders that they've committed. Yeah. And, and, they're, you know, and it's these, these people, the narcissistic personality just, you know, they believe they're the center of the universe. So they just think everybody will believe them. Yeah. Right. And one thing, one thing I do want to say is, yes, I did go to Harvard, but literally I partied my way to Harvard. So I feel like I feel like I was sort of present, yeah. but, you know, semi-present. Right. But, yeah. I think I've been in the library. <laughs> my mother worked there. <laughs> what library? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that, that certainly sounds um, very interesting. I'm looking forward to listening. To the podcast um so what what led you to deciding to do a podcast well i've been so fascinated with true crime really my entire life and then i started a few years ago i started podcasting and just became obsessed with the podcast but i know I, the feeling know, pardon <laughs> i said yeah. i know the feeling yeah right but i knew every case now i knew every case but i still completely i love podcasts i listen to True crime. I fall asleep to true crime po podcasts. <laughs> I love them, even when I know the case. I, cases. I love to hear people's perspectives, and I just found myself like wanting to share my own perspective. Mm. But I really wasn't something I was ready to do on my own. I think when I met Sarah, and then I kind of had this idea to. I had been very fascinated with a few local cases: Doctor Dirk Grinadier, Doctor Richard Sharp, both who murdered their spouses, and both. Who went to one went to Harvard, one went to Yale. So I think when I met Sarah and she was PI with the Ivy League degree, it just kind of all came together that this would really be the perfect niche. Mm. I hadn't seen it explored. I really hadn't seen academia in crime explored. Mm, and definitely. academia is kind of a hot topic right now. And it's right. You no, know, it's something I'm maybe it's the Cambridge in me, but it's something that's always fascinated mm -hmm. me. Um private schools, colleges, um, and that only increased when I lived in, I lived in New York City. I just, it kind of always fascinated me. I think I've, I'm a big Truman Capote fan. I'm a big Dominic mm -hmm. Dunn fan. I've, I've always been very interested in kind of like what's beneath the dark side of wealth and privilege right. and intelligence. Like what's the dark side? We all see the, the shiny, beautiful side, but what's the dark side? And you know, that's that's really where my fascinating crime, you know, the, the, the stabbing, the killing. I'm not interested in that at all. I'm interested in the seemingly normal person who loses it or who's a psychopath, who's functional. Right. So much more the why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I come from a criminal defense background. Uh, so that's mostly the, the work that I've done as a private investigator. So I. I, I like to look at cases from the perspective of reasonable doubt. I like to look at the cases from the point of an invest, you know, you, you know, what happened with the investigation from a forensic point of view, where were the mishaps, where were the, you know, where were the, you know, in, you know, in, in some cases, I don't think the case, you know, some of the cases we look at don't rise to the level of reasonable doubt, but, you know, in every single case, there are questions. That there are, yes. And the, those, that's where, um, you know, that's kind of my training. And that's where, you know, I, I can bring something to. And some, you know, they, um, uh, that's 
what I like to, to bring to the podcast as well. Because so, we want to be, we want to come to each case looking at them open-mindedly. I mean, obviously some of them, you know, like in Amy Bishop's case, she opened fire on a faculty. We know that she did it. It's not a question of, but we want to be open-minded and looking at her background and her past and what led her there and, right. you know, mental illness and all other, all different types of things. So we don't want to just like look at this, you know, as we want to be open-minded about everything and mm. come to it each case that way. Because so, right. Sarah is very helpful at evaluating because it's very easy for me. I, I'm actually, ma- I married into a huge NYPD family. So I kind of go at it as the prosecutor and Sarah <laughs> can come back as the defense attorney. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's, true. That's, that's, a, that's a good aspect it. though. Yeah. yeah. I've been, in, I've been, yeah, right. We we don't agree on everything yeah. too. Like we'll we oh. kind of duke it out on certain oh, yeah. issues. You know, oh, I mean, I like it. Yeah, it hasn't come to you know, no, not brawling yet. yet. But you know, it's uh, no I'm kidding. Right, right. But, well, it's not a political podcast, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> we. Yeah, but I think that that's that actually is better and more interesting is that we have different perspectives on it because we're looking at it differently. And I'm not a private investigator. I'm not look. I'm probably looking at it more the way a juror would. Yeah. And so that's giving two different perspectives. And Sarah might be paying attention to forensic evidence that isn't as important to me. Right. And yeah. that's that kind of helps, I think. We hope our we hope our listeners will get something out of that as well. Yes. And and and, and, the, and the, the speaking of our listeners too, I think what we want to do is you know, we're not aware of every case that's out there in academia. You know, if people might have incredible story about Stanford, let's say, or a crime that happened, you know, we want it. Or anywhere, University of Chicago, I mean, whatever. We want to hear about other cases. I mean, we just had somebody, you know, present, you know, maybe the Zodiac, you know, went to Stanford, you know, which is like pretty interesting. I mean, there were some of the Zodiac crimes were committed an hour away. And if you think about, you know, the code and all of that, that's kind of an interesting hypothesis. I've never thought about that, but we had somebody on Instagram come back and, and present that. So we really want feedback from people to see what they want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, that could open up all kinds of new stories. Who knows? So- yes, and we do have a serial killer. We have one serial killer so far that went to Cornell. So we're looking for more. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Hmm. so um let's let's talk about the the format of the show is it going to be uh one case per episode or are you gonna focus on we kind of we let the case dictate that there are some cases like okay uh, you know are you know really if it's a it's a if it's a very involved case, it's going to we're going to break it down into two episodes. Our first case mm. is very involved. yeah. Our our first case that we're covering uh, is very involved. Okay. So that's that's definitely a two-parter. But there are some that I think will be just contained within you know a 40, 45 minute segment. Yeah, basically. I think that's kind yeah. of the goal. I mean, our first case is Dr. Jeffrey McDonald, a Princeton grad and Green Beret who murdered his family at Fort Bragg. But I, in that case, just because of the the legal wrangling that went on, crime happened in '70. He wasn't convicted until '79. It's just a long case. Oh, wow. It's a very long case. A lot of forensics. A case like that's really going to have to be two episodes. But I think most of them, you know, 
maybe, you know, I don't know if we'll give the Menendez two episodes, maybe only one. They get in our, they get in there too from Princeton, but I think most of them will be one episode unless mm-hmm. they're very involved. Right. Yeah. And I think the format is probably uh, a bit, you know, more casual, you know, in terms of the, we're, we're, right. it's, a, it's really oh, a yeah. conversation between, between us regarding the case, but we do try to really drill down and think about, you know, think about research it really well and, and then really bring, you know, some thoughtfulness to, to the case. And that's what mm. we're, we're trying to do. Here. Yeah. I we're know. not just viewing back the facts. I think what we're trying to do is bring, you know, bring our, our collective experience and right. research and, and discuss the case. And really learn. I mean, I've been watching, you know, and reading about Green Berets and Green Beret training, you know, in the oh, 60s. Right in the cultural environment. So we really understand what was the cultural environment. You know, our, you know, in our case, um, Jeffrey McDonald blamed, you know, blamed hippies and, you know, they were kind of the, the, the cultural scapegoat of 1970. Mm. So we're looking a lot at the culture of 1970, what happened, what were the important events, just so we can kind of get in the head of where everyone was at. And it was a real sort of backlash against the Manson playings that had just occurred yeah. basically there was a, you know and you know a real kind of culture war going on in the country at that time you know mind you this is the south it's, it's north carolina 1970 right so you know, there was some antipathy yeah. against you know uh, the hippie flower child type of thing the um but you know and, and especially the um the mcdonald case we um you know, we're we're trying to help me out here. <laughs> I just, I just totally <laughs> well, McDonald case, the McDonald case took place six months after Manson. So it's right. really and a lot of people think kind of ended the sixties. And so all of a sudden you had the kind of idyllic fly, flower child of the summer of love turning into, you know, murderous, you know, candle carrying, you know, vicious killers who were writing in blood and in our first case they wrote in blood that, you know, we believe Jeffrey McDonald wrote in blood on the wall to to copy to be, you know, as a copycat to the Manson killer. So Manson murders. So, you know, we've just been trying to really study all all that was going on at that time and do that for each case. And we're fortunate. I mean, Jeffrey McDonald went to Princeton, but a lot of the other cases, I mean, we've been able to go to the crime scenes. You know, we've been able to pull up, oh, wow. you know. We've been able to pull up, you know, the divorce of one of our, you know, one of our focuses. Mm. So we've really, we, we have access. I mean, there are no Ivy League schools on the West Coast. So <laughs> we, we have that. In, so we have to open it up to other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's particularly in the, what, what I was going to say was the, the McDonald case is a perfect example of a guy who really had had everything, you know, had, you know, nice looking guy went to princeton doctor you know green beret uh he had all the bona fides you know beautiful family beautiful wife and you know he chose you know i think as the evidence will show us you know he chose to uh really you know brutally kill them right and and annihilated his family you know and and that's the crime he's convicted of you know was uh, you know I, i you know the the criminal defense bones in my body say that the, you know, the, the trial was not, you know, the, 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 the scene was not well investigated or preserved. 
Mm. Uh, there were a lot of rulings by the judge that didn't let um, evidence from the defense come in. You know, so, you know, there's the, but, you know, I think there's, there's still, you know, the evidence shows it's right. just, you know, you did it. And then I come back as a juror saying, but if somebody's carrying a candle in a crime scene, why isn't there any wax? Oh, you know? right. And bring up kind of more of these regular, like Sarah looks at it in much more of a professional way. And I look at it just kind of in a common sense way, I feel. No, I think we both, yeah, we we both, both look do, at yeah. it from a jury. I always, even in my own cases, I look at things from the point of view of a jury. Because, you know, you, you can't spin, you know, you, look, any trial that you, any trial you have, it is a matter of performance. Who tells the best story? Who spins the best story? You know who who tells the best story, and that is you know for for you know, what does the evidence show, and who tells the best story? Those are the two two things that win win cases basically. Right. You know, uh, but you know, evidence, evidence, evidence. What it comes down to, you know, and so um, the Laura's looking for something here. Oh no, I just was trying to turn <laughs> my phone off so it didn't so it didn't ding. Um, it didn't ding. So okay. um, the but yeah, we're so excited. I mean, we have, um, you know, we we just have been having so much fun researching this, and you know, reading the <laughs> books that are related to oh, it, yeah. and uh, going to the courthouse when you know, which we've been fortunate to do for for um, local cases. But we're really been immersed in this this case um, in Jeffrey McDonald's case recently, and then we're going to focus on a. Uh, somebody who died, passed away recently, Ira Einhorn, uh, a UPenn graduate. So, it, but it, yeah, it's been very exciting, and we've really gotten a great response. We're getting a great response on Instagram and on oh, our good. Facebook page. People just people like true crime, I think, and people people are interested. And in, and in, I think it's kind of a lot of people say to me, "Really, are there that many cases?" And there are, and we're finding more and more women. Pretty interesting to me. I, First, oh. we really weren't finding any women, and huh. now we've found. We've you found mean women as, as subjects? We, yes, yeah, yeah. women. Yeah. Women as killers. I right. mean, we don't. We didn't. We have a lot. You know, women as victims, of course. But right, we, we're finding more and more women. So that's so we want. We really want to try to explore as many different you know type of type of people as we can. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think what's good about your podcast and i think is going to help it succeed is i mean yes a lot true crime is is very popular these days but i can tell by talking to you both that it's something you are very passionate about um so i yep. think i think that will come through in and it'll make it'll it'll help other people enjoy it yes yeah, yeah that's absolutely. what we're hoping for absolutely you know i think any good uh, I mean, you know, I, I, narrative is just really important, and I think that right. if you if you have a good narrative, as you know, as a podcaster, you you can't go wrong with that. And I I do, you know, there is something about true crime in general that I think it. I think what true crime does, and why people are so fascinated in it, is that usually the formula is you've got this horrible, horrible crime that doesn't make any sense. That crime is then solved, investigated, tried, and you know, adjudicated, and then so and then and then sense you know sense comes back, 
you know what I mean? Sense is restored, peace right. is restored by that. So that's usually the arc of every true crime, right. you know, and I think that's, you know, what, um, you know, I think that's the fascination with it. And we also want to explore, you know, what type of privilege do you get from having one of these degrees? And that we know there definitely are cases and there's some local cases, actually. One case involves uh, a victim who went to our high school where, you know, the where, you know, very little time was served. And, you know, mm -hmm. that Harvard kind of um, perfect Harvard boy image really helped him in trial. Right. So that's something we also want to look at, like, you know, how, how advantageous is that? Well, also having the money to have a really exactly. you know, kick-ass defense, too, is, is really... Yeah, that, that doesn't yeah. hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know? And I think we'll definitely also, you know, just for, you know, for the lack of intensity at all times, we'll explore some... Because there's really some fabulous... Or I shouldn't say fabulous, some fascinating... See? <laughs> uh, this is what I'm talking about. White <laughs> I love a good white collar crime. There is really, you know, Harvard and and many of the Ivies have produced some real, some really insane white collar criminals. You know, Enron, Schillingly. You know, yeah. I mean, we have there's quite a few of them. So that's something I think we'll probably also maybe take some have some weeks where we just back off of murder and just look at some some white collar crimes, some really epic yep. white collar crimes that were perpetrated. Oh, that, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. A nice little change of pace every so often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and I really want to hear other people's opinions because I've listened, I know cases so well and I'll listen to podcasts and sometimes my opinions will change. So ah, we're, really, yes. we're really open to other people's input on, you know, what they think and mm -hmm. what they think of the evidence. Excellent. So um, let's, let's talk more about uh, your personal history um how you, you know more about how you guys got together and and, and okay and definitely sarah i definitely want to hear about how you got into the private investigation business oh, sure yeah absolutely um well so i will let laura tell you about how we, <laughs> how we met and then i'll tell you no yeah well actually sarah adopted a kitten from me <laughs> it's true that's true <laughs> that's awesome so my daughter, um, 17, um, and Sarah's boyfriend, Sarah's boyfriend's son, um, our boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh. So when I had, a, when I had a kitten up for adoption, Sarah came over to adopt the kitten and we just immediately connected. And the minute I found out she was from Cambridge, it's now Sarah and I obviously went to all the same parties in high school, but for some reason didn't know. I mean, I'm sure we've met each other because we have all the same friends. <laughs> so it was just an instant connection and that was a year ago and we've really been working and researching you know and i had already had a list of some cases so we started like that that next that went over cases so we've been working and researching for a year yep i'm just kind of having lunch talking about it listening to podcasts figuring out what we like what we don't like what kind of format we wanted um you know getting other people involved I mean, we even have a medical expert on this one. So we really just want, oh, wow. to make, yeah, we wanted to make sure we were really ready to go before we launched. Um, we got another Cambridge friend to do the music, which is a remix of Pomp and Circumstance, which we thought mm. was kind of fun. So we just really, we wanted, we just now feel like we're really ready to go. And it was just also, I think it was just kind of fear. We just kind of pulled the plug, just do it. Right. 
Sure. I understand that. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, you're doing it. It's, right. it's hard. I mean, it's kind of scary. It is. Um, a lot of fun, though. Yeah, a lot of fun. I, w- I would say, for, for me, one piece of advice I would give to anybody starting out a new podcast is to just do it and enjoy it. Don't worry about who's listening or how many people or whatever. Just just put out a show that you're enjoying. Because if yeah. you're if you are enjoying it, then other people will enjoy it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean I, I, I there's there's definitely that fear of, you know, like wanting it to be perfect before we release it. Right. And I think yep. that, that that's where we're at now when we're just like, okay, we have to just do it and release it right. and if mistakes and if it's right. like Life's not perfect right now, and we're just gonna. Do, we plan, originally planned to do this in a studio. Yeah. So, oh right. Yeah. Yeah. So this, you know, us we're not very tech savvy, and so all of a sudden doing this on our own is the challenge. And maybe mm-hmm. when the world returns to normal, we will go in a studio. Um, but for right now, we're just kind of winging it. We are winging it, but I have to say, we sort of cut a draft of our first couple of episodes, and even just Ross and lots of ums and everything like that. We were still pretty happy with it though. Yeah. You know, it was good. It was like, I think it was entertaining and mm. you know, I, I, you know, it wasn't super cringy and <laughs> so, we don't want to be cringe. <laughs> we don't, we want to be, we want to be, want to focus on the crime. We want to be very sensitive to the victim. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have, you know, crime victim in my family, you know, murder victim in my family as well. I want to be, we want to be mm. very sensitive to that. We want to make, the victims right. are real people, but we also want to have fun and enjoy right. it and enjoy kind of the fun of ha- making a podcast, mm-hmm. right? Even though it's a serious subject matter. Yeah, right. I think you know, I, I, we both listened to a gazillion different cri- true crime podcasts, and there <laughs> most of them are, I have to say, are excellent. Like Muslim, I like my hat is off. Oh yeah, you know, but then there are some I feel like they are super jokey and you know, kind of it just. It's it's not the right tone. Uh, right. It's not the right tone for me for true crime. You know, I think there's a certain like yes, you can interject humor into it, but when it's all sort of ha 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 ha, that that's a little right. bothersome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we want it to be fun. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. on the other hand too, you don't want to be too clinical either. That's I true. agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. We Absolutely. talked about that because anybody, I mean can go i mean any one of these cases you could just go if you want to be clinical you can very easy to wikipedia it or whatever right yeah and just read 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 the facts i that the podcast i enjoy the most follow the most i often know every i'm sometimes i know more facts than the podcaster because i've read the just because i've read the books but i i thoroughly them Mm -hmm. because i like personalities i like their perspectives i like listening it makes me think of things I hadn't thought of before. Right. And that's why I listen. Absolutely. Not yeah. for the facts, really. I mean, I want the facts to be accurate, and I notice when they're not. So we're really careful on that. Right. Having said that, we, right. we will I, make mistakes. We, I'm sure we'll make mistakes. So that's um, Now, will you also, I'm guessing, along with facts, you will throw in your own opinions, maybe, or thoughts oh, about <laughs> Oh, definitely. Yeah, both of us. Both of us are pretty opinionated. I think. Well, you know. uh, Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think some some people's opinions are a little saltier than others. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're definitely not coming with control. I think yeah. we're definitely coming in with opinions, and we have different opinions on um, most of our cases are pretty clear who did it at this point. I'm sure we're going to come across. We have some we haven't really investigated enough yet that there's probably a little more doubt with but the ones we're looking at now, and we have very different perspectives. But we're not, we're not just, we want it to be fun. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I had something I was going to say, and now I, and I just have oh. to. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I, yeah. Me too. I'm like, blank. I just said interesting. That was yeah. like, like a good word. <laughs> <laughs> we want it to be interesting. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a good space to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely forgot what you're saying. I was going to say, going back to um, something you said earlier about the ums and stuff. Um, one thing I can, I just said, um, <laughs> um, one thing I can say about that is probably you will notice it more than your listeners will. So, um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not noticing it with you. So anyway, I mean, but I just wanted to make that. Um, so Sarah, let's, let's talk about, uh, being a private investigator. Sure. Yeah. My, I've, my, I've never met an person. actual private investigator before. I'm quite fascinated. Ah, um, well, uh, so do you want the, do you want me to tell you from the, uh, I can tell you how I got started if you. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So I am, you know, I was talking to Laura the other day and said, you know, we were talking about Helter Skelter, you know, the, the book about uh, Charlie, right. Charlie the Manson family. And I said, you know, Laura, I, I read that book when I was like 15 and she's like, yeah, me too. I think I was like, <laughs> you know, it, you know, 14, 15, 16 thereabouts. And um, so, you know, I, I, I really have always been fascinated with, uh, with crime, how it's solved, the narrative about it the investigative part about it, forensics, I still, um, you know, I, I still am incredibly sort of curious about cases that are out there. And I'm lucky enough to have found a career where my interest overlaps with, with uh, my interests and my passions, you know, in that overlap with actually what I do. And it, inform, it informs it too. Um, and, you know, I, all the, all the, the, research that I do um, about forensics, it can come actually sometimes does practically come into cases that I have. And I can say, oh, except for, you know, if they haven't tested the, the shirt for blood spatter, how even if it, the shirt has blood on it, it doesn't have a, a, a spatter pattern on it. And hmm. isn't that, you know, isn't that reasonable doubt if they, either they didn't test for that, you know, and they didn't, you know, that all, you know, that that's just an example of something I'm thinking of, but how I started with it is I had actually gone to, I'd gone to Los Angeles. I was in the movie business for five years. Really? And, yeah. And um, had a ton of fun, um, too much fun, uh, <laughs> and came back to New England and kind of, oh, just took, um, just had, had, came back and kind of thought, okay, I know I don't want to stay in the movie business because there's really no movie business here. What do I want to do, you know, with my life? Right. And so I thought I am, you know, all of the stuff I read is about crime. I'm really interested in the subject. How could I make a career out of this? So long story short, 
I met a another investigator who's also a Harvard graduate um, who happened to be a private investigator. And so he was kind enough to um, mentor me in this. And he tried to dissuade me. I have to tell you, it's a really <laughs> funny story, right? He he takes me, you know, to into the projects in Boston. It's a really brutal murder case that we're work stabbing that we were working on. And he was trying sort of I think he was trying to scare me away from <laughs> doing this. And I was like, look, you know, I'm like, okay, can we go out tomorrow? <laughs> you know. You know? <laughs> and um so uh, yeah, and I just so I, I mentored under him for three years, which is what you have to do in this state in order to get your own license as a private investigator. Oh, I didn't and know that. I, yep, and I just started to you know accumulate clients, accumulate cases, um, knowledge, and so that's how you know. And up to now, I, that's what I've done, and I I sort of you know I have a sort of boutique practice. Um, I don't like to be too too busy and i don't like to be too um you know too free of cases uh but i like to keep a constant stream and that's you know and i've worked on all kinds of different cases high profile murder cases can i interject can we do a shout out to some of the movies you worked on just because it's kind of cool that you worked on amityville horror <laughs> oh okay there might be some movie buffs out there that might enjoy knowing that Sarah works on some. Oh, uh, but I did work on Wes Anderson's first movie, Bottle Rocket. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so what did you do? Person. I was the pro assistant prop person. Oh, okay. So, okay. Oh, I, and I dated him for a year. <laughs> but, I mean, actually, that's in your that article about you, or his ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, oh, right, true. yeah. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Wes yeah, Anderson. I was a bit of, of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, um, yeah, but so that's Sorry. yeah. They, no, no, the the you know the movie career uh, and and actually in terms of shows and that I do try to keep my hand in the whole Hollywood thing and that's a whole other aspect of what I'm doing with my life right now. So I'll you know I can um, but from a totally different production point of view. So hmm. uh, you know I can and. Anyway, but uh, um, in any case, so so yes, so the case, the type of cases I I uh, take on are everything from you know white collar crimes to um, to assaults to you know high, pretty high profile murder cases. There are oh. um, you know I I don't discuss the details you know because right. I obviously I have you know there's a lot of confidentiality. Mm -hmm. issues uh but it but it's an incredible business and i can't tell you how many times i've just wanted to turn to somebody and go can you believe what, can you believe what i'm hearing right now you know and so and so mostly what i do is that, you know in any given case i'm given a case by an attorney uh, a lot of what i do is criminal defense i locate witnesses i do backgrounds on witnesses I um, interview witnesses, which right now is an impossibility because right. you can't go knocking on doors. But so I've been calling witnesses, and my my joke lately has been like, "Oh, I caught you at home," you know. Hard to avoid. Yeah, it's really hard to avoid. And but the um, yeah, and it, it is just a, it is always different. 
it is always, uh, it can be very challenging, very stressful. You're working with, I take my job so seriously. I treat, I really try to treat my clients like if they were my like brother or sister or son or daughter, because I feel like it is somebody's life oftentimes. It's somebody's future, it's somebody's reputation, it's somebody's, you know, whether they're going to spend their life in jail. And it is my job to fairly, you know, you know, find, you know, find the evidence, basically, you know, and, and sometimes the evidence is utterly devastating to a client. You know, if, oh, if you, yeah. you know, if you have four people who are saying, you know, I'm running down the street with a smoking gun, there's not much you can do with that. But at least, you know, that that's what's out there, basically. So, um, so yeah, I thoroughly, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy my, my job. And I, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I doesn't feel like I'm working. <laughs> if that makes any sense, you know? and I, I, you know, I, I, uh, it's not a pitch for my company or anything like that, but I do try to go beyond, you know, above and beyond because I, you know, feel like that's what, and I help people. You know, people oftentimes call me. Uh, you know, they'll call me and say, "Gosh, I found these really sketchy emails." I, you know, I don't know if my boyfriend is cheating on me, and I'm like don't pay me to follow this guy. He's cheating on you. Like, right, right. <laughs> what? you know, sorry, but I hate to be the bearer of that. But, you know, and I try to help people. Like I give them like, especially if I know that they're like lower income or whatever, I try to point them like, you know, you can look on this site and see some, you know, see something, you know, and, you know, tr just because, you know, I, I, um, not cause I'm, because I feel like it's also kind of a, these are tools that everybody can try to use, you know, to, you know, for better or for worse to find out about other people. So, um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, yeah, my, my job is very hard to explain in some ways because it's kind of amorphous. It really does depend on what, you know, you're given, you're kind of given this puzzle and said, you know, make sense of this oftentimes, you know, so you start just putting the pieces together and some are easier and some are harder and some, you know, don't feel like they fit into the puzzle at all. And, you know, that's, you know, and, and I love that part of it as well. Um, that, it sounds fascinating. Yeah. Oh, totally is. And you've seen Sarah's picture, right? I mean, your yes. listeners haven't, but Sarah is not a very unassuming private investigator. Oh, no, no. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, you don't look like a guy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. just a petite little blonde, beautiful blonde. Like you would just never ever. But but I also but also like I've had so many fun surveillances too. Like I like surveillance is really fun because you get to play a role. Like mm -hmm. there was an article. I was so mad. Like there's an article in New York Times where this woman who was a PI in New York was talking about. It. I was like, damn it, she stole my fire because it's part <laughs> of the, like the really fun part is like. You know, if you dress like if you dress like a soccer mom or you dress like a homeless person, nobody notices you like that. I've done that on surveillance. Like I've done like, you know, you and it's fun playing a role and like trying to like fit into the canvas of, of a scene so that you can watch somebody and try to oh, figure yeah. out like what they're. What right. they're doing. And I would yeah. assume nobody would ever assume because you don't, most PIs are former cops. I would assume. Right. And yeah, that's you true. You don't look like a you were a cop ever. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. But if I get too well known, 
feel like I'm gonna like completely yeah. 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 <laughs> get a pixie cut or something yeah. and dye my hair black or something. You know? um, <laughs> well, but, maybe when the podcast gets more popular, you'll be talking to somebody someday, and they'll be like, "Your voice sounds very familiar." It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So that that um actually had two questions for you. One of which you touched on a little bit. Um has the uh this whole situation with with the virus has it had a major impact on your work or Um well, it is definitely. Yeah, it is. Uh you just can't a lot of what I do are backgrounds and uh you know, social media, you know, you you new searches on the computer but that's mm. only part that's about it's about 50 50 right now so that other 50 percent of going and talking to people is just off the table you know and i think in general though there's a more systemic shutdown of like court cases are not you know courts mm. aren't in session right now so right. it means that lawyers are getting less work that means the dribble down effect for us pis is also less mm. you know so that it's just a you know that's that's okay because it gives me more time to work on the podcast. Yeah. And as long as you know it's not sure. month yeah. month, and you know, right, right. you know that's the um, um, you know that's the um. I'm sorry, uh, my phone is going. Um, so yeah, so it, it has yeah it has affected it absolutely. You know, and it, it's a, it's an odd way to make a living. I mean, and just in terms of like you know, there's no um. It's it's not a um, yeah. People are like, oh, is it ever unsafe? I'm like, yeah, just financially. (laughs) (laughs) But it has been actually unsafe at times as well. So I've done you know you you run into some you you I really never been threatened except by cops, Mm. which is Mm. kind of interesting. But Mm. uh, um, the uh, yeah, but in terms of yeah, you just, you know, you definitely, you know, run into, um, you know, unusual people and stuff like that. So, mm. um, you know, it, uh, I get fan mail from prison sometimes. And that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, so that's basically what's going on right now for me. All right. So my other question is, um, do you have opinions about movies and TV shows that have uh, private investigators in them? Ooh, Good nice. Question. That's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> um, y- you know, I oh, I don't really. Um, okay, yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I I can say that. Um, okay, if if anybody has watched the outsider mm-hmm. um the holly character in that is so unbelievably intriguing like she's she's kind of um mm. i think she's the british act- actress that plays her but she's uh she's kind of i think she's kind of like on the spectrum and she's brilliant and uh absolutely beautiful woman and she's but she's weird she's kind of an oddball too. Mm-hmm. And she's a very intriguing character, I have to say. Mm. Um, so that's been one of my favorite. She's been one of my favorite characters lately. Um, the 
I love True Detective. I thought Mindhunter oh. is is incredible. Um, but I don't really watch procedural shows because mm. I end up getting I end up getting kind of um, it, it makes me stressed because I start thinking about work and I'm thinking uh, about you know, so so unless it's like in some like small little town in in Britain or something like that where there's enough distance, right. uh, then I don't really you know. But I do watch all sorts of. I, I absolutely love good crime documentaries like Star- Staircase is amazing, mm. the Jinx is amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, actually there's been a number of things on Netflix about Ted Bundy. I could not watch don't F with cats because I just simply couldn't stomach the, any, because she has her beautiful, because I'm in love with my cat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I like like making, I I like making a murder. I uh, making, um, but I, I did think that they were trying to play up his, um, innocence a little bit too much, Stephen. I, I felt it was a little, yeah. I felt it was a little heavy-handed in the way right, that you yeah. had the narrative of his possible being set up for innocence, and you know, and I felt like it was kind of looking for evidence to fit into that narrative, mm. not the other way around. That was my my ar- only argument with that. But also, yeah, and again, there's. Um, million i mean if i can do a shout out to other podcasts i don't know if i should though sure but. go ahead <laughs> i love um i thought serial the first season of serial was brilliant mm-hmm. uh the uh, uh adnan's case um i i i think cr- uh, criminal by phoebe judge is absolutely amazing oh, um yeah. i like crime junkie uh i yeah. think they oh, do really mm-hmm. good um and uh Let's see what else there Generation is. Generation Y. Generation Y is excellent I, as I well. Like, I like so many. I wouldn't you even know. know where to start. I know, I, I know. I, I, so many. I, yeah, me too. In I every do. case, you know. I mean, a lot of our cases. Crimes of passion, excellent too. You know, crimes of, yeah, yep. female criminal. I mean, there's yep. so many, but um, a lot of our cases we haven't seen on podcasts. Some we have. Our first case has been done by a few other podcasters. So I, I'm even learning new true crime podcasts by researching our crimes because they'll come up on a podcast I haven't heard before. I know, but I always get like a little mad when I see our crimes. I know. <laughs> 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 crime. It happened 50 years ago. But How dare you yeah. know about that one? <laughs> well, just remember, you 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 have a, a different perspective on it. Well, yeah, no, that's exactly. true. No, that's yeah. true. And the Instagram's been really fun. I mean, I've had a lot of fun with that. I mean, I'm out of work, so I have a lot more time than Sarah. So I do a lot of content. So uh, that's been a lot of fun, just putting out. At first, I just was doing Ivy League cases. Now I've been having more fun with it, you know, mm. um, just kind of cases, just kind of lead, lead, you know, lead to, you know, I put up a Truman Capote book I found cleaning out my basement. Then mm-hmm. that led me. That leads me to the Robert Blake case, you know, and like that's not related. To that. oh, I mean, yeah. It's all kind of fun. You know, we've been doing some kind of like we're, we're getting we're going to have our T-shirts next week and then we'll probably do some giveaways with some, um, you know, some crime trivia. We want it to be kind of interactive and fun. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like last night I put something up about, you know, what serial, what killer? I didn't say serial. What killer has the most, uh, you know, marriage proposals and and. Huh. and and that was fun. People people had a lot of guesses. Yeah, but wait, Derek, can you guess? 
Uh, hmm. Not putting you on the spot or anything. Yeah. No Googling allowed. Uh, I have a couple of names popping into my head, but I, just I think of just think of like good looking, charming, or quote unquote good looking, charming. Um, way with women. I'm gonna go with Ted Bundy. You got it. That's right. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we did the best selling crime novel, true crime novel of all time, which is In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. So I've just been kind of trying to make it make it fun. I, I see. You know, I don't want to just put up crime scene photos. I want it to kind of be like a, a little community of crime junkies like us who just kind of, you know, we get some Doritos, some gummy bears, some coffee <laughs> and, and talk crime. Yeah, that's great. Yep. That's our right. So there's one one other thing I was wondering about as far as you being a private investigator. Is it is is there ever how can I word this? Is it ever hard to not judge ahead of time um you mean in terms of somebody's guilt or innocence or yeah like like um yeah basically well i i think that the what this what my whole career has has done has been it it really has been an education sort of about human nature in Mm. many ways and that the you know, I, I think we all have a, you know, visceral reaction when a hor- something horrible happens. Right. You know, it's really hard not to have a kind of a, a visceral reaction to it. However, you know, I, it, this has, I, 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 you know, when I, when I first started out in criminal defense, I thought I would almost sort of feel guilty working for the person. And now mm. I feel actually that taking on a case for somebody is I feel like I am working actually for the person who has the full weight of the, sometimes it's the federal government. Sometimes it's just the state government. They have the full weight of the police, the full weight of the prosecutor against them in their corner. They have their attorney and they have me. Mm. And so I, I think evidence is evidence and good, bad, or indifferent. It's my job to collect it, honestly. And the um, so what I what I try to do, and I have worked on some really horrible cases, is but what the prosecutor's job um, what the prosecutor's job is to do is just to paint things very much in black and white. My job as a defense investigator is to look at to paint a, a a broader canvas, you know, to, to paint in the, the whole scene. Right. Um, you know, some might argue that's muddying the waters, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's sort of just your, you know, you often have situations that are, that are complicated, uh, that have to do with friendships and alliances, and then those fall apart or whatever the, whatever it may be. Um, but it's my job to find out as much about you know, what, what happened and the background as I, as I can. So, um, so I try not to go in with any preconceived, you know, notions, but I am most human. And I think you, you do, um, you know, and frankly, sometimes I just like people more and I don't like other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's oh, yeah. just, yeah. but whether you like somebody or not, I mean, you know, I've had 
clients where I don't want to, I don't even want to hold their hand. You know, I mean, I don't, hold right. their hand. I don't even want to shake their hand. Right. You know but what I mean? Right but they have right. the right to a really healthy defense. And that's right. what keeps our, it does keep our, um, you know, it, it, it just, yeah, it, it keeps our system healthy, you know? Right. So, you know, we don't, you know, we're privileged in this country to, to have at least the, you know, the, to have that in place, theoretically, I don't think it always happens. And mm. I, you know, but that, you know, the opportunity for that is, is you know, and the presumption and the presumption of innocence. So, well, it must feel pretty rewarding then to know that you are helping as much as you can. Yes. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, um, yeah, I mean, especially, especially when you have situations that aren't black and white, but are gray, mm. you know, on the grayer side. So, um, yeah, the, you know, I don't believe in the, like, somebody's guilty by accusation. I right. like to see, you know, show me, don't tell me. You know, so that's you know. that's good. Uh, anyway, that's been great for me too with Sarah because I'm not used to being such an investigator. And I mean, I was looking up candle patents yesterday because in our in, in our you know the defendant in our cases says that the perpetrators had a candle. So I really from Sarah got into the point where I like investigate every aspect of what could be the defense or the prosecution. Mm. So that's why I was mentioning candle wax before. So we're really Sarah's Sarah's professional perspective helping me to really like look at the minutia of things much more it, it, you know derek we're both a bit obsessive you know <laughs> if you can't tell so <laughs> that's <laughs> but, a good yeah. thing <laughs> you know so, it's, yeah. so you know what it but it it, ser- it serves a good purpose you know i mean i think you know the the being a little bit neurotic and obsessive is actually a really good thing in my business so well it's good know. with this because we did yeah. re- you know we did record and then we kind of saw where we needed to do a little more research and I, I guess because I know so much about crime, but I mean, I do hear crime podcasts sometimes where they get facts wrong. And like, I get very annoyed by that, especially <laughs> if the facts are about the victims. And I, maybe that's personal to me being, you know, having, a, being a, you know, having a crime victim in my family. But it's like, I think that the, you really need to know that stuff. Yeah. You really, really need to know the facts right. before you present it to the best of your ability. Um, Derek, I, sh- I think I should, uh, we need to uh, wrap it up, actually. So, uh, um, yes, actually. Actually, I was. So we, uh, have a we can <laughs> pick it up again if you. We can pick it up again if you want. We just have to take a break because we have. No, actually, um, I think we're we're getting near the end okay. of the podcast. Anyway, um, we've been we've been going on for a good amount of time. Oh, great! Uh, we great. got a, we got a good episode here. I think. Excellent! Uh, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, you guys have been great. Uh, great to talk to. You've and been great. And you've been great too. I've really like been it. enjoying your podcast. I've been kind of binging it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I just, it's kind of nice being out of work for this. If I didn't have this podcast, I'd really be losing it. But, you know, it was yesterday I just binged your podcast all day. So it was really, it was a fun day. So thank you for <laughs> well, that. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, um, so you, you'll be happy to know that you guys are going to be the first. You're the first of a new segment I'm planning on doing where I'm going to be talking to fellow podcasters about Great. about their podcasts and how they came out. So uh, I think this went really well. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, I feel really good about it. I'm, I'm glad that you're there as well. Yeah. And I'm definitely looking forward to listening to your podcast. So 
Um, let's get to the details of it. Uh, the podcast is called Ivy League Murders. And do you know when you're planning to release it? Well, we're hoping to have, we're hoping to um, have it. Our, we have our, I, I call him our editor. He's a, a friend of ours from high school who's very, very um, proficient with music and editing. So we hope to get the, uh, get the, the episodes. It's our first case is two episodes. So that's why it's a pretty complicated case. So we hope to get that to him early week. So we hope to have those both episodes out by the end of next week. That's Excellent. our goal. Yeah. So we then we then we plan to go week after that. And so that's really our our target launch would would be you know in about a week. So I mean, it may that may get pushed back a few days, but that's really we're really all working pretty aggressively here, mm-hmm. and kind of an advantage right now being out of work as far as pushing this pushing the time frame. Right. <laughs> But you know nobody's nobody's working. So, but but this so so that's our that's our goal is to because we're you know I'm doing all this promotion, but we really need content. So, I mean that's right. what that's our goal is to have it out by next week. Excellent. And you do already have a trailer out. We have a trailer out, which we worked very hard on. Who knew a two minute trailer would take that much work? <laughs> it's a good trailer. You, you know, you know. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the trailer is very good. So, uh, take a listen to that people. Great. And, um, where, where can, uh, where can we find you guys on the internet? Well, right now we're, right now we're just on anchor. Um, we're going to send our episodes to Apple after we have two episodes. So, you know, we're, we want to be on Apple and Spotify, mm-hmm. but we just have to have some content. Um, you probably know a lot more about this than we do actually. So we may have to, <laughs> we may have to private message for advice on this because we need to get our episodes out and, and you know get them ready to submit to Apple because that's where we'd like to be. Right. Well, I'm always here if you need anything. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. Because you. you're on Apple and I mean, I listen to everything on Apple. I love it because you can rate it. You know, right. I, I um, and what about social media? Oh, well, yeah, that's kind of my, uh, I tell I have a lot of time on my hands now if you follow us on Instagram because uh, I post a lot of content. <laughs> So we're at Ivy League Murders on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page, Ivy League Murders, and we can also be um, emailed at murders at gmail.com with any case ideas or any input or just anything. You know, you want to hear something different, you have an idea for format changes, like we're really, like we're new at this, we're really open-minded. And we even have a Gmail, which is Ivy Murder, uh, I, Ivy League Murders at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah, so we're so we're we, we're we're um, Twitter's going to be our next next. Sarah's going to set up Twitter, so that's what we're going to do next. So hopefully, we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll have Twitter up by the time our episodes come up. But right now, we're kind of focusing on Instagram. Excellent. Well, um, thank you both for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it, and um, it's been great talking to you. Oh, you too. Our you pleasure. Too. Thanks so much. And will you let us know so we can hear our our interview? Oh, definitely. Yeah, of course. All right. So great. Okay, great. Well, we look forward to it, and we look. I'm sure we'll be peppering you with questions when when we when we're ready to launch ours. <laughs> like I said, I'm here for you. All okay, right. Thanks thank a you. million. Here. Enjoy this beautiful day. <laughs> Bye. <Yeah>. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So that's Sarah and Laura from Ivy League Murders. Um, check out their show. When it when it comes out, it sounds really interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to listening. Um, so, but in the meantime, thank you all for listening. 
This has been the New England Society of Geeks. I have been your host, Derek. And I just wanted to tell everybody out there, uh, stay safe. Uh, try to stay sane and try to think about others because um, we, we have to stick together during this time. And that's it for this episode. Tune in next time. Till then, good night, everybody. Thank you for your cooperation. If you would like to contact the New England Society of Geeks podcast, you can do so by emailing us at nesogpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at nesogpodcast. And you can find us on Instagram at nesogpod. In addition, you can find us on Facebook at our New England Society of Geeks page. And while you're at it, we would really appreciate it if you could give us some ratings or reviews on wherever you listen to us. It would help other people find us and enjoy us as much as you hopefully do. We thank you all for listening. <laughs>